Hi, this is Derek from Atlanta. Unlike Bob, I am a former law enforcement officer, but I still enjoy listening to a practical show by a practical guy. You're listening to the Handgun World Podcast. Hi folks, I'm Bob Main. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. Introductory music by Ozark Revival at www.ozarkrevival.com. And welcome to episode 559 of A Practical Show, done by a practical guy, and that is me. I keep things rooted in common sense, and I don't go tinfoil hat on you on this show on any of the topics that I talk about. So this week, you know, I did some competition shooting yesterday, and I want to make a couple of observations. First of all, I'm going to share this with you. Uh, Please consider being a competition shooter. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, I'm a professional salesperson. So I have learned to handle objections up front. So let let me handle a few objections up front and do that right now. I've had people say to me lately, oh, I don't want to go competition shooting because I'm afraid uh, that I'll embarrass myself because I've never done it before. You're not going to embarrass yourself. There are a lot of new shooters that come out every single match that I go to. And we're very friendly to new shooters. And we're very patient with new shooters. I was a new shooter. Everybody at one time who shoots competition was a new shooter. Everybody who shoots a gun was a new shooter at one time. You'll find some of the most friendly people and patient and kind and teaching type people if you come to a competition match. My wife has come to the last four or five that I have shot and she's just watching and learning and soaking it all in. And she said yesterday at the last match, she said in two weeks, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do this. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that she's going to do it. She's going to start slow. One of the cool things about the club where I like to shoot If you're a new shooter, they don't make you draw from your holster. You can start at low ready. So you don't have to be uh, trying to perfect your draw in order to be a competition shooter with us in the club where I participate. So that's pretty cool. So come out and try it. Go out to your local club, wherever it is. Find an IDPA or USPSA here in San Antonio, Texas, where I live. We have kind of a, a unique clubs called AASA, American Action Shooting Association, kind of based off of USPSA style of shooting. But we, we shoot a lot of steel, which is fun. If you get a chance to shoot steel, it's, it's a lot of fun. I like steel shooting. And one of the cool things about shooting steel is you get that auditory feedback right away. You know you made a hit. And if, you're, if your targets are freshly painted, and I suggest every every uh, two or three times that you shoot them, paint them. Or if you want to, if you got the paint, you know, paint them every time. 
then you can actually see where your hits are and how your groups are are looking. And so I want to talk a little bit about some things that we did on Facebook recently. I put a video of one of the stages I shot yesterday. How many of you listening to this right now have ever tried to go shooting, but you're recovering from an injury? Spencer Keepers and I talked about that last week. I hope you've had a chance to listen to that interview. And not just an injury, but I'm going to give you something to think about because I I really believe in that you have to got to be a critical thinker to be to be a self defense to be able to defend yourself to be able to be prepared to to be a modern day survivalist you got to be you got to be an independent critical thinker so so here's a question and a challenge that I have for you how many of you practice shooting with your non dominant hand. Spencer Keepers and I talked about that the other day. Your non-dominant hand. And there's a lot of reasons why you may have to do that. And we talked about a lot of those last week. But it's not just injury reasons. One of your hands could be taken out of the fight. Have you ever thought about that? One of your hands could be taken out of the fight. Uh, Maybe there's more than one bad guy. Maybe one of the bad guys has one of your arms pinned behind your back or pinned at your side or or maybe you got stabbed in one of your arms or one of your hands or maybe something happened if you happen to be in a fight now folks we never want to be in a fight we don't really want to get out there and be in a self-defense fight most normal people don't really look forward to that but we have to prepare don't we we got to get ready for that kind of stuff if it happens to us. And I can't guarantee that you're always going to have your right hand available to shoot. Or if you're a left-handed person, I, I can't guarantee your left hand is always going to be available for you to shoot. So my point is you got to be able to shoot with either hand. So one of the stages I shot, I had like two-inch groups shooting with my left hand only. It's on Facebook. You can see it. And it was a stage where we had to shoot two-handed, then one-handed, then left-handed. So two-handed, then right-handed, then left-handed. And one of the range safety officers was quite impressed with my group, with my left hand. He was shocked. Well, you know, I practice that, folks. I practice it. I practice shooting left-handed. And I think you heard Spencer Keepers and I talk yesterday about making sure that you have a left-handed holster. Or if if you are a left-hander, make sure you have a right-handed holster for your handgun. That's important. Practice with that. Practice drawing that way. Especially for those of you that carry in the appendix position. You actually have an advantage. I typically carry about 3.30 or 4 o'clock but I carry outside the waistband. So for me, I believe it's just as fast as appendix inside the waistband carry, if not maybe even slightly faster. And it's just as safe, and I'm I'm pretty good at it. So I'm going to stick with my outside the waistband concealment solutions holster, my Cobra outside the waistband holster, which I I totally enjoy, And and it works very well for me but there are some disadvantages of that too 
and it might be a little it might be quite a bit more difficult for somebody to disarm me uh, or to get a hold of my weapon when it's on the uh, right hip when I'm carrying it on my right hip so that's an, a disadvantage that I understand and it's going to be harder for me to draw with my left hand if the gun's on my right side opposite for you left-handers so there's drawbacks to everything there's drawbacks to no matter which way you carry or what gun you use what caliber just understand what your risks are understand what the drawbacks are and have a plan have a plan to deal with it in case you are in that situation where you have to deal with that so I'm proud of the hits I made and the groups that I shot shooting left-handed only. I, you, you never know when you're going to be in that situation. So practice that. Holsters are really not all that expensive. Get an opposite side holster for your regular concealed carry firearm. And practice with that. that. That's all I wanted to throw in. Remember, this show is brought to you by Keeper's Concealment. And Keeper's Concealment is the leading authority. Spencer Keeper's, the leading authority in appendix carry, I believe, anyway. And because he teaches it, he practices it, he lives it, he makes holsters for it. He's, he's the appendix carry guru. And check him out, keepersconcealment.com. Keepersconcealment.com. You get 10% discount uh, by using um, the coupon code KC10OFF. And that's also at CCW Safe. Um, CCW Safe is excellent concealed carry protection, legal protection, in case you have to use your gun. You're going to be in a legal battle. The legal battle will be coming to you and it could cost hundreds of thousands, if not a million bucks. And CCW Safe will protect you for that KC10 off, you can get a discount. Check the show notes. There's a direct link, and I'll link straight to Keeper's Concealment page for the CCW safe discount. So the other thing I want to talk about that I've noticed lately is unreliable guns. Now, you know, when you go to a competition match, or even if you go to a training class, you know, if you come to one of the classes that Ben and I are teaching coming up soon, you're going you're gonna to see some guns that are going to malfunction. Why? Because if you go to a training class or you go to a competition match, you're probably going to shoot your gun harder than you shoot it normally when you go to a public range. That's just the way it is. And it's a great way to test to see what your gun can do and what it cannot do and what you can do and cannot do with your guns. Now, there are a lot of people, especially in the competition arena, love to tinker and modify with their guns. And there's nothing wrong with that to a point. And I'm going to say to a point. They like to tinker and modify with their guns. But sometimes if you change out too many parts and you alter the design of the gun too much, you're going to cause an unreliable gun. And I've heard people say things like, well, I got to modify this thing. I got to get it right exactly the way the way I want it or I can't shoot it very well. I'm not going to be very, very, you know, good, a good shooter unless I get this trigger exactly the way I want. I get this, you know, this spring exactly the way I want that spring exactly the way I want it. That's just not true, folks. I, I see a lot of people and I'll never forget. I'll never forget about a year ago. 
I showed up at a competition match. And one of the gentlemen shooting on my squad had a Glock 19 in his holster. And I took a good look at that Glock 19, and I could tell it was a rather old Glock 19. And he walked over to the safe area, and he took it out of his holster over in the safe area, and he practiced a couple draws with it. And I took another close look at the gun. And I went up and introduced myself to him, and I asked him, I said, I noticed you got a, a Glock 19 there, sir. He said, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, that's great. I said, it's one of my favorite guns. I said, it looks rather old. I said, what, what kind of a Glock 19 is that? He said, a Generation 1 Glock 19. Now, when did those things come out? 1987, 88, something like that? So, think about how old that gun is and how low technology a, Glo a Glock 19 Gen 1 is. You know, everybody's all kinds of, all kinds of hyped up technology these days in guns, right? And it's good. I'm not knocking it. I mean, there are a lot of great guns that use great technology and, you know, manufacturing, both American and foreign manufacturing, they're so good now. They've become so good at, at creating and, and building firearms that there's a lot of great technology in guns. And it's, it's a good thing to see. But this guy, with his Generation 1 Glock 19 smoked all of us on the squad. There were nine or ten shooters. He, sh he blew us away, folks. No pun intended. He, he beat us. And I think that day I was shooting my MMP 2.0 compact. And several people had race guns. Several people had 2011s and tricked out Glocks and tricked out M&Ps and he comes in with a little old Generation 1 Glock 19. The only change he made is he did not have the stock Glock sights and I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to use the stock Glock sights either. So that's the only change that he made on his gun is he had, uh, I believe he had some night sights on it. And he torched us folks. So it can be done. You don't have to have the slickest, most tricked out, high technology gun to be a good shooter. You can't buy skill. Well, Bob, I don't believe you on that. Well, I think to a point, you can purchase some things with your gun and put them on your gun and you can modify it. And it'll help you to a point. They will, the, the improvements will help you only to a point. If you can't control the trigger, if you can't press the trigger without moving the gun, and I love it when Spencer Keeper says that. He says, how do you make good hits? You learn to press the trigger and don't move the gun. Don't move the sights. It's really that simple. Now, it's not easy, but it's simple. If you can't do that, it doesn't matter how many doodads and modifications and things that you put on a gun. And I may irritate some people when I say this, but even a red dot sight. Red dot sights are not going to help you, folks, if your shooting fundamentals are, are bad. It just means that you're going to still shoot bad even with, a, with an optic on your firearm. Because your fundamentals are not any good. This guy 
with, with his Generation 1 Glock 19, was a good shooter. And by the way, he was not a young athletic guy. He was actually older than I am. I'm, I'm going to be 60 in November. So some of you say, well, Bob, you're not old. You're just a puppy. And then some of you would say, Bob, you're old. Well, he was older than I was. Okay. And so he, he, he wasn't some kind of a mega athlete. He just was efficient. You could tell the guy practices and practices. And that Glock, that Generation 1 Glock 19 looked like it had probably 15,000 rounds through it. At least. Maybe 20,000 rounds. But boy, he could shoot the he could shoot that thing like a house on fire. So it's it's not always the gun. In fact, most of the time, folks, it's not the gun. Now we've all had a challenge lately, and that is getting ammunition and getting it for a reasonable price. That's been a challenge. I understand that. It's been an expensive one. It's hard to get. It's high priced. Ammo prices do seem to be coming down a little bit, which is really good. I think I've seen a thousand round case of some brass nine millimeter for somewhere around 38 cents a round. And for today's prices, that's pretty cheap. Now I need it to come down a little bit lower than that. And then I'll probably buy two or three cases. A little bit lower than 38 cents. I'd like to see it get in the 20 cents range. When it gets into the 20 cents range, I think I'm going to be picking up two or three cases. Thousand round cases, but it's it's starting to get a little. So it's been hard to get ammo, and it's been expensive. I understand. So that makes our practice sessions shorter. So you got to learn to get the most from a practice session. You can do a lot just shooting fifty rounds, but you're not going to really help yourself much opening up a box of fifty rounds and turning money into noise. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be able to. That's not gonna help you much. Turning money into into noise. You have to have a plan. You have to have a specific skill. Pick one skill that you want to learn and improve, and just do that until the fifty rounds are gone. And if that's all you can afford, then that's all you can afford. Lately, I've been doing that. My practice sessions are a little bit more than fifty rounds. They're actually probably hundred hundred and twenty five to one hundred and fifty rounds. But what I want to get better at doing is drawing and putting three to five shots on target. And when I say on target, inside of a five-inch circle, preferably inside of a three-inch circle at five to seven yards. So that's what I practice. When I go to the range, I, I have a range membership where I can draw from the holster. That's very important. Please find a place like that. There are places that do exist even if you have to drive a little longer, go go become a member there or pay whatever fee that they charge you. I know it's hard. It's hard to find. You know, an indoor range is probably not going to let you do that. Most indoor public ranges are probably not going to let you do that, with some exceptions. Outdoor ranges will generally let you do that. And if you... You, you got to ask them, though. Some of them might, might not. Fortunately, Cedar Ridge Range here in Balverde, Texas, about a 35-minute drive from my house, they allow me to do that. So that's what I practice. So right now I'm practicing on draw from concealed carry, put three to five rounds on target. 
How quickly and how accurately can I do that? That's a mission. That's a purpose. Practice with a purpose. And that's why I, I titled this show, this episode, Practice with a Purpose. Because if you don't, it's a waste of time and money. So what is your practice purpose? What is What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, yes, it is fun to just go blast 50 holes in paper with whatever pistol you have when you're just standing there and shooting. But that's not really reality. Uh, you know, remember back the interview that I had with John Correa of Active Self-Protection? If you don't watch his YouTube channel, may I suggest that you subscribe to Active Self-Protection and look at some of the gunfights that he's analyzed. Civilian gunfights, not law enforcement or military gunfights. Civilian self-defense gunfights. And they rarely stand there still shooting at each other. It, they're usually moving. It's usually a very fast-moving, fluid event. And they might stand there and shoot at each other once, maybe once, one shot each, and then it's it's going. Or or probably even as soon as somebody pulls out a gun, it's now turned into a lot of movement. Right? The second that gun comes out of the holster, shoom, they're moving. So do something other than just stand there and shoot 50 rounds into paper. That's not self-defense practice. That's not really practicing with a purpose. I'm going to do a video on this pretty soon and put it up on my YouTube channel. Uh, please check out my YouTube channel. Just search Handgun World on YouTube. Uh, check it out. I got a lot of videos. I got about 10 years worth of videos on my channel. And then, of course, for some of you who like to support our show, me and, and Ben Branham, we, we do a Shooters Club video membership site. Excellent instructional videos. As a matter of fact, a lot of the videos you see on the Shooters Club, they're from our classes that we teach. So if you can't make it to one of our classes, at least spend $8 a month and sign up for the Shooters Club. Anybody can do that. I also have a Patreon support page. You can support me on Patreon for as little as $3 a month. And I got good instructional videos on that. You can find all this over at handgunworld.com. You can also find my other sponsor, Concealment Solutions. You can check out and take a look at the Cobra holster on their website. Just go to concealmentsolutions.com. Use Handgun World as the coupon code for a 10% discount at Concealment Solutions as well. So I want to say practicing with a purpose involves a lot of things. Now, how do you practice with a purpose? Well... Competition shooting is one way. Taking a class is another way. Maybe if you own some land, hire an instructor to come and, and teach you. Hire a, a firearms instructor, somebody that's got some experience. And by the way, you don't have to hire a military operator. You don't have to hire a, a, a special law enforcement officer to come and teach you. Just Hire a good shooter. Get a good shooter. Get somebody that's got some experience. Maybe they're a, an accomplished competition shooter. Maybe they're a, an accomplished self-defense with a firearm instructor. 
you know, check out check out their resume. Ask them what they've done. Where they where have they taught? Uh, see if you can find some reviews and things like that. Maybe hire them if you have land or something like that. And or maybe maybe you've gone to a training class or two or three, and you got your own range. That that's great. I'm I'm jealous of people like that. They they have their own range on their land. It's it's awesome. <laughs> I wish I had my own shooting range on on my land, but uh, I can't do that. I live in the suburbs. I can't do that, obviously. But if you can, are you practicing with a purpose? You can do whatever you want on your own land. You can run around and shoot and do all kinds of stuff. That's pretty cool. But with the ammo shortage and the ammo prices these days, I just I think it's too cost prohibitive to go out there and just blast away a couple hundred rounds and putting them into paper and, and saying, hey, look at that. Look, this is fun. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, if you want some expensive fun, then go buy four boxes of ammo, a couple hundred rounds, and, and go blast away at some paper targets or Coke bottles or whatever it is that you want to shoot, milk jugs or whatever. But that's not really practicing with the purpose. That's just going out and having a, a great time, which there's nothing wrong with that. Just understand that if you do that, you're probably not really improving your self-defense skills. Now, I'm going to say some positive stuff about going to a public range and shooting 100 to 200 rounds, for example. It's a great way to test your gun. If you have any new gear, new guns, new holsters, whatever, if you got some new modifications on your gun or you got a new type of ammo you want to try, it's a great way to test your gear. And see if it works. Because the last thing you want to do is be carrying around a weapon that you're going to use to defend you or your family. And then it doesn't work for whatever reason. Maybe your gun doesn't like the ammo. Maybe the new trigger you installed made your gun unreliable. Maybe the spring you changed out made your gun unreliable. Maybe the optic that you bought is really not sighted in the way it should be and it's not zeroed so going to the public range uh, is good for this kind of stuff you can go zero your optic you can go try all the stuff that you need to try before you actually put it in your holster and start carrying it if you got a self-defense rifle or shotgun you can go to a public range most likely and you can cite that in and you can check out everything that you got uh, on your uh, on your AR for example you know, maybe you've bolted, uh, you know, half of a firearm store bolted to your rifle and you need to test, make sure all that stuff works. <laughs> so, and I've seen that. I've seen people's ARs that look like they went to a, a, a gun shop and, and bought a third of all the accessories they could find and slapped them on their AR. Unbelievable. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, for me, weight is everything. Weight and reliability weight and reliability and so when I practice with a purpose I also need to make sure that I have the right weight and reliability I don't like heavy heavy guns I just don't I don't like heavy rifles I don't like heavy shotguns I don't like heavy handguns weight is everything and and let me tell you why for concealed carry that's obvious the lighter the gun the easier it is to carry for practicing 
Big heavy guns are no fun to practice for a long time. Uh, when you go take a two-day class, big heavy guns are no fun. I've seen people come to the classes that I teach with Ben Branham. I've seen people come with these big, huge, heavy guns. A lot of them are all steel 1911s, and I'm not making fun of all steel 1911s. I'm not putting those guns down. I'm just saying that for, for a lot of people, it's difficult for them to shoot those all day for two days straight. Or sometimes they come with a 2011, you know, double stack, high capacity, 1911 style guns that weigh three pounds, you know. That's hard. That's hard. After the first day, sometimes they come back on the second day and they got a Glock or an M&P because they're tired of shooting their big, giant, heavy gun. You know, same with, uh, with competition matches sometimes. So just think about that. Weight and reliability. Please practice with a purpose, but do make sure that everything you do is reliable. Everything, all the ammo you use, all the modifications that you make to your gun. It's one thing, one reason why I absolutely uh, am a huge believer now in the Shadow Systems pistols. Shadow Systems MR920. I'm holding one right now as I do this podcast. I'm probably going to be investing in a DR920 Elite pretty soon. That's the duty size. The Glock 17 size is the DR920. The Glock 19 size is the MR920. Fantastic guns and they're ultra reliable. I mean, they're as reliable as a Glock and, or an M&P. And by the way, you know what? I have never had an M&P pistol that I have shot choke up on me. Never had it. Never done. They, they are stone cold reliable. I'm telling you what. They just, Smith & Wesson just builds some incredibly reliable semi-automatic handguns in their M&P line. The whole line. The shields. The M&P full-size, the 2.0 compacts. I haven't shot a Shield Plus yet, but I'm sure it's going to be like any, every other M&P pistol out there. So I'm not sponsored by Smith & Wesson. I didn't get paid any money to say what I just said. I'm just telling you that they're good guns. These Shadow System guns, they are incredible. So my Shadow Systems MR920 Elite, a lot of cool modifications uh, you know, I did a podcast about this, uh, six or seven episodes. Scroll back. I think it was like episode 550 or something like that on the Shadow Systems MR920 Elite. Fantastic pistol. Extremely reliable. The weight, the weight is less than a Glock 19, even though it's the same size as a Glock 19. That's what's really cool. Weight and reliability is everything. Please don't modify your gun past the point to where you diminish the reliability and add so much to the weight. I think the same applies for ARs, AR-15 rifles. Uh, some people just add so darn much weight to that gun. They just can't handle it efficiently. They think they have to have every single accessory ever invented. It's got to go put on their rifle. Uh I, my personal opinion, again, you, you listen sometimes for my personal opinion. I just don't think you need all that much stuff on your rifle or shotgun or any gun, any handgun. You know what the most important thing is when defending yourself with a gun? I, I learned this. I'll never forget this. When I took Tom Givens' class, two-day class, 
have a gun. Have a gun. That is the most important thing. You have to have a gun. If you don't have a gun, you're screwed, folks. It's just That's just the way it is. When something happens, when the stink goes down, when that stink hits the fan, your life is in danger. A life of a loved one with you is in danger. You got to have a gun. If you don't have one, you're forfeiting the fight. Period. Or if you're lucky, the fight will be a draw. If you're lucky. So the big, huge... 45 ACP three pound gun that is in your safe it isn't good for much except going out to the range and having fun unless you carry it each and every day without fail it's it's no good it's it's a range queen it's a uh, a safe queen I meant to say not a range queen <laughs> well it might be a range queen a safe queen and, and something to be have fun at the range with it but it's got to be available so the weight the weight of the gun has to be such that you are going to carry it so when you practice with a purpose practice with something that you're going to carry all the time or often enough now there are some people listening to this show i'll bet there are i have thousands and thousands of listeners i'll bet there are people listening right now for them, a 42-ounce, all-steel, heavy gun, for them, it's easy to carry. For them, they carry it all day, every day. I think that number is very small, the number of people who do that. But if that's you, if you can do that, great. I, I'm in favor of whatever you can get away with carrying for me. For this regular guy named Bob Main, who lives a regular life, and I'm a business person, I'm in sales, that's my full-time job. For me, it's a SIG P365 or a P365 XL, or if I'm not on a business call and I'm going to HEB, that's a local grocery store that we have here, my Shadow Systems MR920 is in my holster for me that's about as big and heavy as i'm gonna get but you know what's great these are fabulous guns P sig p365s are great 365 xls are even better the shield plus that's out right now is just is it's really cool gun the mr 920s are cool guns especially the elite version they're carryable and very shootable so, and if it's, you know, if I go to a competition match and I take my Glock 34, when I get done with the match, if I'm going to go stop at a store somewhere, I'll, I'll walk around carrying my G34. I don't mind carrying my G34. You know, in the great gun-friendly state of Texas, it's not, you know, you're not violating a law, a serious law, if your gun prints. Printing when you're concealed carrying, it's not a big deal here in free America. In Texas and many other states and starting September 1st we're gonna have constitutional carry where you don't even need to have a license to carry we already have open carry so if I'm carrying my Glock 34 and it prints a little bit so what I haven't broken any law I might scare somebody somebody might notice I'm having a I, that I have a gun on me maybe they'll say something to me but 
That's it. That's the extent of the harm. Now, if you're in Massachusetts or Connecticut or New York or California or someplace like that, well, that's a whole different issue, I guess, unfortunately. And I think that's quite the shame that if somebody, if you get made carrying a gun in those states, if you can even carry in those states, some of those states have areas where you, you're never going to get a, a license from your own government that you pay taxes to. You're not going to get a license to exercise your Second Amendment right. How about that? But in some of those states where you can do it, you can't afford for somebody to see that you have a gun. So maybe only pocket carry is all you can get away with. Or maybe a P365 or a shield stuck inside your waistband and hidden nicely. Maybe that's all you can get away with. You can't. Maybe you can't get away with carrying a Glock 34 because it's too obvious. Or a full-size 1911 or whatever. But whatever it is, practice with the purpose and understand what the purpose of the gun is. You know, if you have a small gun, like a Glock 43, for example, understand it's going to be much more of a challenge at 25 yards than your 5-inch 1911. It's going to be more of a challenge, but that's the purpose. So how about practicing with your Glock 43 5 to 7, 10 yards max, and get good at those ranges, 5 yards, 7 yards, 10 yards. Now, I'm not saying don't practice 25-yard shots. We have people come to our classes all the time. By the way, we're teaching a class in September in San Antonio and October near the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Go to handgunworld.com, check it out. You might need to use that Glock 43 or your shield for a 25 yard shot so I hope that you have practiced that purpose as well so don't neglect that purpose just understand where do you spend most of your time where are you going to spend most of your time practicing and most of your ammo are you going to spend it at realistic self-defense ranges five seven ten yards or are you going to try to hit 50 yard shots with it and it's up to you it's up to you where you want to spend most of your time but people do come to our classes and about the second day halfway through the second day they're amazed when we do some long distance shooting they are making hits at 50 yards and their eyes get real big after they make a hit on a 10 inch steel target at 50 yards which is not easy to do their eyes get real big and they say to me or Ben hey I, I, I never thought I could do that so you'll experience that kind of stuff when you come train with us so anyway this is my message this week practice with a purpose and since we're talking about accessories on firearms if you go to my amazon store you'll see the trigicon hd and the bob vogel sites that i like to use both of them are great if you're going to buy some sites like that or any kind of sites or you're going to buy something off of amazon go through my store just click one of the links it doesn't matter you don't have to buy the product that's on that link but go to handgunworld.com, go into my Amazon store, you can get one of Masada Yub's books on my store, all kinds of really cool things. And uh, just do your Amazon shopping when you go through one of my links, it helps me out. You're going to buy this stuff anyway, so you don't have to spend any extra money helping me out, just use my store to do that. I'd appreciate that. 
So I'll leave you with this for this episode. What is your purpose? The next time you go to the practice shooting range, what's your purpose? What are you going to be there for? I'd like to hear it. How about calling in a message to my voicemail, 210-646-1727. I'd like to hear it. Send me an email, handgunworld at gmail.com. Put a message on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. I'd like to hear your story about practicing with a purpose. I would like to share some of your information that you send me with your permission. I'll always ask your permission. But I'd like to share and give people an idea. What are other people doing? How are they practicing with a purpose? What exactly are they doing to get the most out of their training and practice sessions? Something to think about. Hopefully during this short episode, I've been able to get you to think about that. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bob Main. You have just listened to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. Remember, shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day, and I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Now it's ten years later, but it still keeps up the fight. In Ireland, in Lebanon, in Palestine, in Berkeley.